Hey, listeners. This is our second to last episode for the first season, and we are so pumped about the response we've had. Thank you so much to everyone for taking the time to give us feedback, star ratings and reviews, and sending us all kinds of good thoughts. We've received many questions for our Q&A episode coming up in two weeks, but there's still plenty of time to submit your question. Just go to putaringonitpodcast.com and click get in touch. And now, here we go. Hello and welcome to the Put A Ring On It podcast, a podcast from me, Danielle Pasternak, wedding coordinator of DP Knack Weddings. And me, Daniel Moyer of Daniel Moyer Photography. The Put A Ring On It podcast is for brides, grooms, and anyone planning a wedding who wants insider knowledge, behind the scenes stories, and downright sensible wedding planning advice. Let's get started. Hey guys, Danielle here. And I'm Dan. And I brought up this topic um, for this episode to Dan because of some things I'm going through in my personal life at the moment, but it's also something that I've heard Dan talk about right after his wedding, and it's definitely something that I hear a lot about from my clients. And that's the wedding budget. Ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> yeah, so it's not always easy to talk about <laughs> money. I get that. But when you're planning an event and you're spending thousands of dollars, it's really so important to talk about budget. So I think we want to start off this episode by giving a little bit of insight into our own personal experience. So Dan, what was your experience like as you guys um, were planning your wedding, as you and Rachel were planning your wedding? We thought we had a pretty good handle on it. I think we did have a good handle on what our budget was. Um, but I, one of the things I think happens quite often to a lot of couples is like right when they get close to the wedding day, they just find that there's all these little tiny itty bitty expenses, right? Mm-hmm. And we just started swiping like crazy because there was just all these random little things that just kept popping up. And I know uh, you're moving right now and I think there's a probably a similar situation happening for you, right? Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. Uh, My partner, Mike, and I, we sat down and budgeted, and I'm a planner by nature, so we had every line item figured out, and the things that we're running into now, we move in just a few days, and the things that we're running into now, it's it's crazy. I'm just, I'm literally just swiping a credit card just to get it taken care of and get it done, and it's all these little things, like toilet paper holders, (laughs) and all (laughs) stuff like that. Oh my gosh. The same exact thing for us right at the end of our planning process. We just I, I'm pretty sure our motto was swipe, screw it, swipe, screw it, swipe, screw it. <laughs> we just like didn't care. And we just I mean, we knew it was things that we had to do and, and book and we just couldn't do without it. Right. And I think whenever you're starting out in the process, regardless of how long you have until the wedding, if it's two years, a year, three months, whatever it is, there's those big items like your venue, your food, your photographer, your <clears throat> day of coordinator, things like that, that <laughs> are, are kind of key in the beginning of the process. But then as you creep closer and closer to the wedding day, all of those big picture items are set, but all those little details that come in and fill in the holes start to creep up. Things like mm. your guest book and, and favors and place cards and the things you're going to put in your guest bags at the hotels, all those little things, while they be not on the same scale as, you know, spending thousands and thousands of dollars on your venue, those little things are going to add up quickly and they're going to come back to bite you in the butt. And it's going to come at a time when you're already feeling um, butthurt from all the other stuff you've got coming into that's due. Did you just say butthurt? 
Is that not okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, that just that's a funny word. <laughs> yeah, for us, at towards the end, it was you know booking hotel rooms for our vendors because that's something we want to take care of. We were, I think, we actually booked an extra room just because we knew the hotel block was was getting filled up. Um, or we knew the hotel was getting filled up, and we wanted to make sure that we still had some rooms for people who were booking. Uh, another big part was the favors. We bought like 600 pretzel rods and then chocolate to go with it and drizzled chocolate over top of it. And that was like 150 bucks right there just worth of pretzels and stuff. And it's all those little $50, $100 expenses right towards the end will really add up. And I think the mentality of it comes from you're already spending so much money on the wedding that you start thinking, well, what's another 50 bucks when I have to order candles or what's another $40 for my cake cutting set and all these different things. That's exactly what I'm going to now. Every time I go to Home Depot for another thing of wood or nails or whatever it is that like <laughs> sends me on a journey to find, it's it's like, well, you know. We've already spent, you know, this much. So what's another little bit more? And it's it's the same exact thing when you're at towards the end of the wedding. And it's 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 why I think a lot of couples end up going over the budget that they initially set for themselves at the beginning of the planning process. Mm -hmm. I think there are some helpful tools out there, but there also are some that maybe are a little bit. What's the word I'm looking for? Deceiving or maybe yeah. not quite true to real life. And I think one of them might be the not. That's a pretty good starting point. Um, yeah. But I think in, in terms of like real life, it's applicability to a real life wedding situation or to everybody's wedding situation. It's just not, it doesn't really quite hit the nail on the head. Well, exactly, because the knot doesn't know what your priorities are. And if you've been listening to this podcast for even a brief amount of time, you'll know that Dan and I are really big on setting your priorities and your budget should align with those priorities. So if the knot tells you that you should spend 7% of your budget on flowers, but you are allergic to flowers or hate flowers, <laughs> then you probably shouldn't allocate 7% of your budget to it. If you absolutely love flowers, then why not spend a little bit more there? It's just kind of all a give and take. Obviously, they give those references to give you an idea of, of like a baseline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a good way, and I, Danielle, I know you recommend this, is to have a spreadsheet. I'm a big spreadsheet fan. You you love spreadsheets. Um, and if you go back to the very, very first episode of this, I'm pretty sure um, that we talked about when we were first starting this podcast that we were both like, hey, yeah, let's just uh, let's just maybe we should just do the podcast. And then the following day, there was like six spreadsheets and five Google Docs all adorning my inbox. And it was really, really funny. Anyway, um, you're welcome. Budgeting. <laughs> I couldn't have done it without you. Um so Danielle definitely recommends spreadsheets for the wedding budget. And one of the things we did that seemed to be pretty helpful was coming up with a general overall budget. Just, you know, this is how much we can spend. And then we broke it down from there. And our priorities were a good experience for our guests. So a great venue, um, good food, uh, great photography and entertainment. We took money from all the other areas of the wedding so that we could make those that priority and invest the most money on those specific areas. And also, Dan, when you are figuring out your spreadsheet, what I would recommend to absolutely everybody is adding a final line item for miscellaneous and don't make it $200 or $500. I would say setting it to at least 10 to 15% of your overall budget. And I'm not kidding mm -hmm. there. You will feel much better when you see that that line item is already budgeted in there so that when all mm -hmm. those final things start coming in, you know it's coming from that versus 
adding that at the end of the day and realizing that, oh my gosh, we just spent an extra $5,000. Yeah, we easily spent, I think, $4,000 right within like the last week of before our wedding. Which is a huge chunk of change. In When you are not in wedding mode, that is a huge number. It's It takes weeks to earn $4,000. And when you spend it in that quick of a time, it suddenly feels like, oh my gosh, what did we just do? And I think that that's a lot of where stress comes from when people are getting closer and closer to the wedding day as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about when you first start out planning your wedding and you're talking with all these pros. And I want to talk about negotiating um, ways that you can fit whoever it is that you're talking with into your budget. That's a that's a really awesome idea. And it is a little bit of a gray area, I think, in, in the wedding industry. Um, some pros I don't think like to be asked, but I'm from the camp that I don't think it ever hurts to ask. But it's also very important on how you ask. You know, and, and don't be surprised if you just get a straight up no. And that's just something that you, uh, you as the asker have to just be aware and open with that you might just get a no. Um, but it never hurts to ask and just being very polite. And I think the best approach would just be coming to a pro and just saying, you know, we really love your services. We really love to work with you. Um, this is our budget. Is there anything that we can take out or any flexibility that allows you to still do what you do? But that's so that we can still have you for our wedding. Right. And I think that's being honest and that's being really transparent. And I think a lot of pros might appreciate your honesty with that. Um, It's not necessarily about making up some story about whatever. It's everyone has a budget. But I think it's really interesting because there's only some industries that you can do this in. If you were to go out to eat at a restaurant and you would order a steak dinner and that steak dinner cost $50 on the menu and you would say you would tell the server, I want the steak dinner, but my budget is only $35. So what can we <laughs> that do? That work. You, you just wouldn't do that. So it's, it's interesting how it's very acceptable in some industries and very unacceptable in other industries. But what I think is the most important thing that Dan said is it's how, it's how you're asking. You want to be really respectful of that person because what you're ultimately saying is, we like you, but we want to take X amount of dollars away from your paycheck. I don't think that's a good feeling to anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Dan said, it, if they say no, you, you also have to respect that. And then you have to make a decision as a couple. If you want to say, well, we still mm-hmm. really like this person and we want to spend the extra money. You take those funds from another part of your budget and add it to that. Yep. I think, too. So this also flows into something else that I want to talk about, Dan. So I see this a lot in Facebook forums and all these different wedding bee boards that people are posting saying, I'm looking for an affordable whatever for my wedding. And I see a million people respond and all this stuff. And my thing, especially as a planner, this is what I do for my clients is, is I help them build their wedding team. But your definition of affordable is completely different than somebody else's definition of affordable. So if you're looking for a hair and makeup artist and you want them to come out to your location and you're saying, well, I need somebody who's, who's affordable, I think you need to kind of determine a number in your head and do a little bit of research to see what you are comfortable mm-hmm. with. Obviously, you need that number to be semi-realistic or mostly realistic, I guess. And, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, too, as we all know, you get what you pay for. So when you specifically put out into the world that I'm looking for a cheap something, that's what you get. So I, I totally want to go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but I want to bring it back. 
because in the last couple of days, there were a, a few articles that popped up, a few stories that popped up of I think one of them I think one of them was a photographer in the UK maybe or something. Uh, there was a student photographer and the couple's very upset because they paid her a small sum of money and they really expected professional level quality out of this. And somebody did a follow-up article on it and they basically said, you know, like, should we really be surprised that, you know, if you pay like a small amount of money for somebody who's just starting out, who's a student, um, you know, should we be surprised that, you know, their pictures aren't the same level or quality as somebody who is more expensive or has been doing this for a long time? Um, you know, really does go to say that what you get what you pay for, you know? Exactly. And it's it's not necessarily that we're saying don't spend $500 on a photographer. Right. We're saying don't spend $500 on a photographer and expect the same results as if you spent $5,000 on a photographer. It would be like going to McDonald's and expecting that same steak dinner uh, that that other restaurant was charging 50 bucks for, paying five bucks for it and expecting the same quality. You're just not going to do it. Right, right, right. I also want to add to Dan that it's so important to do research based on the area that you're specifically in because what the costs are for a wedding in California are completely different than a wedding in Iowa and completely different from Florida and New York City and all these different places. So when you start out, it's important to do the research for your specific area, not what the knot tells you, not what whatever blog you're reading tells you is the average whatever for for you know for catering or whatever it is. You want to look at your specific area and do a little bit of research there before you really set a budget that is, you know, quote unquote, affordable to you. Mm-hmm. And how do people gather that information? Is that just, you know, emailing a bunch of different wedding pros and just seeing what the prices are and then adjusting from there? How would you recommend that people do that? Yeah, so obviously there's a few different ways you can go about it. The The best way, in my opinion, is to reach out to your, your planner or your coordinator because they're going to have the best knowledge of that area. Um, other ways you could do it, though, are exactly what you said, reaching out to them. Some people post prices on their website or starting points or averages on their website that you can gather that information from. But it doesn't hurt to reach out and say, hey, we're interested in your work. We're trying to do some research. Do you have a, an average price or a pricing guide or something that we can look at? Totally. Okay, cool. So since this whole time we've been talking about paying all this money and investing all this money, I think it's important to have an honest and transparent conversation about where the money is coming from, actually coming from, whose pockets are this coming from. So the first thing that Danielle and I were thinking about is that it should never be assumed that either person's parents are contributing, you know? I think etiquette tells us that, oh, the bride's parents pay for the wedding and that's just not necessarily the case anymore. Right. So where's so where's this money actually going to come from? Are you going to pull it from savings, charge it to a credit card? Um, that's something that you and your partner have to have a real conversation about and how much you're willing to spend. Yeah, and trust me, we know it's a hard conversation to have because not many people, at least in my opinion, on average have $30,000 just sitting around in a bank account. And if it is, it's probably being saved for something like a house or mm-hmm. kids' college savings, things like that. And it's it's tough. And I think it's wonderful when people do have parents and family that can contribute to the, the budget. But moral of the story is please don't assume have that conversation as early on in the process as possible. The last thing you want to do is make all of these decisions that add up to a certain amount and realize, oh my gosh, we can't, 
we can't spend this because then you've signed contracts, you've put in deposits, you're legally responsible for the rest of that money. And that's that's no way to start a marriage. I think that's one of the reasons why you hear that a lot of marriages really struggle in that first year is because they're dealing with the financial burden that came from their one day large event. It's not something that stays with you. Um, there's very few things you get after the wedding. Obviously, the memories are a huge part of it and photos and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's one day that you're spending money on. And it's a lot. And when you when all the wedding goggles come off, it it can be really um, it, it can be a really big gut punch when you realize how much money you actually spent. And it's it's I think it's just better to have a clear understanding as early on in the process and being on the same page with your partner and your family so that you avoid that gut punch as much as possible. It is a humbling experience. You know, Rachel and I are still paying off the last little bits of our wedding and our wedding was almost two years ago now. Um, I mean, we wouldn't change anything for the world, but yet we still did a lot of preparation beforehand, you know, about how much we wanted to spend. And, you know, thankfully, Rachel's parents were able to pay a little bit. Um, But, you know, uh, that that investment was worth it for us. And we went into it knowing how much we were going to spend and knowing, you know, even with that extra four thousand dollars at the end, you know, that it was still worth it. And I think this is a, a big area, too, that resent can come into the picture if one person is contributing more or less or one person's family is contributing more or less, there's a lot of feelings that kind of come involved with that. And that's a tough, that's a tough path to navigate, especially when you're newly married and dealing with all kinds of other pressures and emotions and, and life chapters and things like that. Wedding advice with Dan and Danielle. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So before we wrap up this episode, Dan, let's talk about, um, when payments are due because as a planner mm. I see I see this so much that um when you start off planning your wedding for the most part you have to put down a certain deposit or retainer with your pro and then whatever else x amount is due whatever time before the wedding there's a lot of payments that I see that are due in the final few days and weeks before the wedding if not on the wedding day itself and what happens to a lot of couples is all of those payments being due all at the same time really sneaks up on them yep I remember that being a little bit terrifying right at the end there because um, mm-hmm. what are you going to do you can't say oh can we pay it next week no because we need the money before the wedding happens yeah, so with me, I, I have three payment dates, but I always tell all my couples, figure out what works best for you. If you're an awesome saver and you just want to stick to those three dates, go for it. If you need to like treat it like a monthly bill and just send me a little tiny bit each month, absolutely do that. So maybe that's a conversation you can have with your pros and just say, you know, is it possible that I can just send little tiny chunks at a time, you know, a little bit at a time? Can you put me on a like a monthly withdrawal from my card that, you know, you can you can save it and, and just withdraw from my card or can we just pay it off all at once and just get it done and be done with it? Um, you know, those are options too. And like Danielle said, those little, all those amounts being due right towards the end is going to sneak up on you. So if you can save or, or get ahead of it somehow do it because it's really going to help you out in the end. Yeah. And if you can't, um, if you don't have that option with your pro to send them little bits, amounts of money each month, you can always set up a separate checking or savings account that maybe you and your partner put money into that account and that account is only going to be used to pay off those wedding things afterwards. And then maybe it's your joint account after the wedding or it's your future savings, whatever it is. Doing that might help you too because then you don't see that money in your account and it's just in a separate place so that when it comes time to pay those final balances, you know where it's coming from. 
Mm-hmm. Talk to your pros, definitely, and just have a clear understanding of what is due and when. And if they're going to be reminding you or if you're expected to know when those things are due. Mm-hmm. And you also want to ask if there's any additional fees that, they're, that they should budget for when you start off. You could just flat out ask them, do you normally get a tip? How do we tip you? Is tip included? This is especially big with transportation when you're booking limos or, or buses, shuttles, things like that. Uh, caterers, if you're if you need to know whether or not the gratuity for their staff is built in, because those line items especially are going to add to your budget. Um, and you don't want to forget to figure into that spreadsheet tips when you're when you're figuring out all of your expenses. So if your photographer costs, you know, four thousand dollars how much of a tip are you going to give them if you're going to give them a tip? And do you need to provide a hotel for them? Is there any travel involved? All of those different things need to be figured into your budget so that, again, those things don't creep up on you towards the end. Like Dan said, that was one of the final things that him and Rachel got hit with was the hotels. One of them was for me and his photographer. Um, those were things that had to get taken care of at the last minute. And those were, you know, those were things that contributed to that budget growing. Wedding budgets can be pretty big and scary, but I think if you follow some of the tips we've laid out and be as organized as possible, you can break it down, compartmentalize it, and make it more manageable. And now for this week's I do's and I don'ts. All right, guys. So I do think that you should create an actual spreadsheet for your wedding. And we always recommend Google Spreadsheets. It lets both you and your partner work on things at the same time, no matter where you are, even if you're at work. I don't think that you should rely on the tooth fairy for funding your wedding. Be realistic. All right, guys, so we've got one more episode coming up this season. Um, While we are so sad to see it go, we're so excited to share with you all of the questions um, that we've been getting over the past few weeks. We're going to have a lot of fun breaking each one down and sharing our thoughts. And as I said earlier in this episode, there's still plenty of time to send us your question. Just head to the putaringonitpodcast.com website and click on Get In Touch. And don't forget, keep leaving us ratings and reviews in iTunes and SoundCloud. Your support has helped us get on the What's Hot podcast list, and we're so thankful for that. So please keep the feedback coming. Awesome. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye-bye.